She's a fine filly. Yeah, I mean, this is... <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSense, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSense, Jeremy Scott. Yowza. And from Music Video Sense, Barrett Cher. Hi, everybody. Hi, hey, everybody. You want to talk about Sin Week for a little bit? Yeah. Ooh, Sin Week is our, filling up. Yeah, exactly. Our our thing that you can do by being a member of Patreon. Yeah. What is Sin Week? Sin Week is both a digital convention for Sin fans and an in-person get together for sin fans uh here in nashville tennessee the bulk of you the bulk of our sin fans will get extra sins videos some live broadcasts um all of our patreon members get access to this stuff uh we'll be doing some panels like you would see at a comic-con we're going to tape a podcast like this live with mm -hmm. an audience you'll get to watch us do that you get to see us say all the shit that we would normally get to cut out later <laughs> which mm -hmm. we've already cut out which we've already cut out 15 minutes this morning <laughs> yeah um and then um for the select few, up to 25 Sinflowers yes. on our Patreon page, the members at that level, um, if you are at that level by February 1st, you are eligible to come to Sin Week here That's in Nashville. Right. Got to get yourself here. Mm -hmm. Got to get yourself a, a couch to crash on. Lots of options. But know? then. But then we're going to see a movie with you. We're probably going to go do some driving range fun with you we're gonna have some food with you that's right um and it's gonna be a three-day thing uh where you'll get to it's gonna be intimate not in a sexual way <laughs> well it may be yeah uh, it's gonna be intimate in that there's only max 25 of you so far we have six people signed up at this tier yep. and we're gonna rent out a theater um so we're just gonna have all kinds of fun and what we hope to do is create a, a really memorable experience because it as I get older, I find that experiences are what I value more than stuff. Yeah. Um, yep. Memories, the fine meals we have together to celebrate milestones, uh, the trips we've taken together, the experiences. Uh, and I want to, I want to give people something that they can cherish. Mm -hmm. And, uh, if you like us enough to want to be around our ugly mugs. Uh, we're going to give you the action. And even if you can't make it here, you can log on to you digitally. It's going to be, what did you call it? Like an e-convention. An e-convention. Yes. The normal. The normal plebs out there who aren't Patreon <laughs> yeah, members right. will get two Sins videos on the main channel. Yep. But the Patreon members that week, they're going to get three additional. They'll That's get a Sins video videos. every fucking day. That's insane. And I think that alone is probably worth, you know, the three bucks it would cost you to come on as a Patreon member for that month. If you want to only come on as a Patreon member for a month and then disappear, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm not trying to take money. I'm trying to create something that it's a little extra for those fans that want something. Mm -hmm. And that's what the Patreon's about. Patreon.com slash CinemaSense. That's it, yeah. baby. And we also have a new podcast coming out the day after this one. We have Ooh. a lot of things to pimp, don't that's we? That's right. We <laughs> do. We are pimping. Uh, movies Going on 30 will have its first episode on January 15th. Nice. Uh, we are coming out. It's uh, me and uh, Jonathan Watkins, and uh, we are going to be talking about the movies that came out on that corresponding week of 1989 uh obviously the first couple of episodes are going to be movies you may have never heard of before i had never heard of them but that was i listened to this episode and it's awesome 
Like it's edifying. It's interesting. This, the, you guys do a deep dive into these things, man. Mm-hmm. And it's a really cool concept. It's only going to get better as it goes along. Even I though think it's really so. Good. I think so. Like if the first couple episodes are always going to have that. What are, what is this? What are we doing? How are we going to do it? Type of things. And then finally we'll, we'll settle into, you know, talking the right way about it. I've <laughs> seen some really good feedback too. I think listeners are kind of excited about this one. I saw yeah. one guy even say, uh, I just turned 30, so this sounds like the perfect yeah. podcast for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, perfect. And yeah, I'm excited about it, uh, and it's just, yeah, there's more of this kind of thing to come. Uh, we're not going to give it to you all at once, but mm-hmm. we are planning some more podcasts down the road, um, and uh, hopefully you will enjoy going on this journey with Chris and Jonathan. Okay, so Movies Going On 30, new podcast is coming out January 15th. Ooh. Which will be tomorrow as you're listening to this yes and yes. valentine's day is february 14th that's got right it. got it that's right jesus i'm let's, glad you reminded let's me. run down all the important dates 2019 4th of july february on. 12th i'll see hamilton for a third time yeah. that's crazy as a valentine's day gift huh mm-hmm. yeah. nice well uh we're also gonna go back on our road trip <laughs> road trip oh, yeah. on the road again the most time-honored tradition of all the road trip oh the places you'll go are we there yet no are we there yet no are we there yet no and uh, we're gonna be going to south carolina listen to me i love me some south carolina never Mm. been i Mm. i have been to columbia i have been to charleston Mm -hmm. i have been to Mm -hmm. i've been through south carolina Mm -hmm. i did not think because you think of south carolina as kind of swampy and humid and just kind (laughs) of stuff like that but I, I stayed in Columbia, actually, the week of the Masters, and Augusta is like right, like a hop, skip, and a jump mm-hmm. away from it. Mm-hmm. And it was crowded, but it was charming. It's a like a like a college town. Mm. Charleston is right on the coast, and it's fucking beautiful. It's mm. just one of the uh, iconic. They've got the rainbow row of all the brightly colored houses and stuff like that. They've got Fort Sumter that was there mm-hmm. um, that factors into some of the movies we'll talk about. But if you have an opportunity to go to like the major cities in South Carolina, it's awesome. It's like North Carolina's shoe. Yeah, it kind of is like that. <laughs> uh, is Myrtle Beach, South Carolina? Yes. Oh, that's what I thought. I've yep. been to Myrtle Beach uh, when I was about 15. Uh, I was a golfer in high school. I was playing a lot of golf. And the my dad's always been a terrible golfer, as has my uncles and grandfather. So we had, I think one of my uncles... And maybe two of my uncles, my granddad, my father, my brother, and I all went to Myrtle Beach and mm. played golf at like three different courses over a weekend. Great trip. Yeah, it's pretty. I played some lousy golf, though. Yeah. But the golf courses are great. And I've been to Columbia, spent a weekend there one month. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's like that, huh? <laughs> it's like, remember when Kramer has that talk show set, the Merv Griffin set? <laughs> he didn't makes that joke. He's like, El Paso, I spent a month there one night. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, South Carolina. What, what, what kind of movies do they make up in South Carolina? By mm-hmm. the way, only place in the Southeast I haven't been. South, uh, South That's Carolina. odd that you haven't like grazed it. Yeah, grazed uh, it. closest I've ever been is Savannah, Georgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Savannah's pretty. Uh, Charleston and Savannah have a very similar dynamic. I think. But I want to go to South Carolina because I saw a food show a year or two ago uh, of a some like out of nowhere barbecue place that's Ooh. like got two hour lines or whatever. I don't want to stand in the line, but no. But uh, they showed the barbecue that they were they were cooking, and the, the barbecue looked like spaghetti almost. That's how uh, loose it was. And I can't wait, dude. <laughs> you should you pay somebody to stand in that line for you. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Did you hear about Prince's? Uh, oh, yeah. A car ran, ran into, into it. it. Yeah. yeah, it closed down indefinitely while they figure out how to fix it. Yeah, that's not cool. Don't drive cars into businesses people love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or really anywhere. Yeah, that's probably. Just keep it on the road. Yeah. Uh, South Carolina, the first movie on our list is Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Have you seen this? <laughs> yes. 
I have. I was oh, expecting man. a real, like, like even if it wasn't good, I was expecting, like, funny. Yep. And this movie's not even trying to be funny. It's such a shame because if you're, I mean, it's, a, it's this is a Sharknado premise. Yeah. You need to lean into the goofy, and this movie didn't even try to do that. No, and it's really, like, got, it's got bad production value in it it's like a yui ball film yeah it really is and uh this the book for this came out during the time of the pride and prejudice and zombies and but it's the same sort of like idea taking something from history and just changing it up and whatever and yeah abraham lincoln is a vampire hunter that the the uh the funniest thing that ever came out of this was that there was a guy at the movie theater hollywood 27 that i know uh, he told me that he told me that there was this guy who came up and asked him what it was about. <laughs> and he's like, what is Abraham? He goes, is Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter? Is, is that a, uh, is that a, uh, is that historical? <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and he goes, the movie's called Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter. And he said, no, no. But I mean, is it, is it like, it, does it have historical stuff in it? The movie's called Abraham Lincoln, <laughs> Vampire Hunter. <laughs> That's all you need to say. He should have said yes. Yeah, this movie is a total piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. No record to that, Warren. Just stay the fuck away. No, but it's got such a good cast, man. Dominic Cooper, Anthony Mackie, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Rufus Sewell. Like, there's Jimmy Simpson's in there. But these that was all, I think, before any of those people had reached That's peak true. status. Yeah. And so, I mean, if Pride and Prejudice and Zombies has lily james yeah. or one of those people yeah, lily james yeah. In it, yeah. Ah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah this is this is shitty yeah not very good at all um then we have uh, lawrence kasdan's the big chill yeah Ooh. almost a polar opposite <sighs> although what, what do we think of this movie in our generation it didn't connect with me yeah yeah i had a hard time connecting to this as well yeah but i know people when it came out it was like the jam like this it was, was like the breakfast club for this for the olds mm-hmm. yeah the, <laughs> the olds it's uh it's it's isn't it all 30 somethings in this it's it's yep. that's basically the the sort of the just they're all they're all coming to uh they're meeting for a funeral right and the funeral i think kevin costner is the he guy is the, the guy who committed suicide yeah. but he's never shown in the film right and then you have a just a long list of like some of the biggest a-list stars or who would become biggest a-list stars you have people like William Hurt, you have Jeff Goldblum, you have, mm-hmm. uh, God, it's just, it's, it go, it's like a million. I don't, your girl, uh, Glenn Close. Yep. Yeah, Kevin Glenn Klein. Cl- uh, what I do remember about this movie, first of all, this, the soundtrack, which was parodied in High Fidelity. Yeah. Uh, where they say something like, uh, one of the top five lists had, uh, you can't always get what you want on it. And, <laughs> and the guy's like immediately disqualified for relation to the big chill. Yeah. yeah. And Jack Black's like, oh, you're right. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> But what I think about this is uh, the scene where Kevin Klein, who's married to Glenn Close, uh, her friend asks him to impregnate her. Mm-hmm. And Glenn Close is okay with this. Yeah. Right? And so they have this night where, where he you know does his thing. But it was parodied in a, in a Saturday Night Live when Kevin Klein was hosting, I think. Oh, yeah. And they, they have this like intense conversation. He's like, no, I don't want to do it. And she's like, I want you to do this. And like eventually, like he's like, okay, fine. And so she sits at like the the kitchen table, and he goes upstairs, <laughs> and then he comes back down with his shirt off, and he's like, "Whoo!" She's like, "Okay, you done?" He's like, "No, no, no, I'm just getting a Gatorade." <laughs> <laughs> and he like just, uh, he's like in a towel, and he goes right back up there. <laughs> 
I don't remember too much about this movie. I do remember there's a scene where like I think several couples have gone off to have sex. Yep. And Jeff everybody Go- fucks everybody. And Jeff Goldblum is is down in some room with somebody else and they're not having sex. And he's like he's like, uh, I hear it around the house. Uh everybody's in the uh the uh, throes of sexual you know, something like that. Like like nobody has explicitly stated that they're going to have sex, but he's right. there's it's just one of those things where everybody's just kinda like gone and he's like, I, I hear it and there's something in the walls that tells me everybody's uh, having sexual intercourse right now. I feel like this is a movie I saw it much later. I saw it like in the two thousands or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I saw it uh and I enjoyed it. But I think, yeah, there, there's not like the personal. It's like the movie Diner. Like yeah. like people, which I think came out maybe the same year, 83? Yeah, Diner was 82. Okay, so right around there, though. Like people of that generation connect with it the way I do like High Fidelity or something mm-hmm. like that. Where it, like it's a real personal connection, and I never got that. I think it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's not like blockbuster status. Yeah, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. is something that maybe, maybe you had the same experience I did. We were all somewhat the same age or whatever, but you would seem to hear about this movie a lot back Mm -hmm. in the 80s. Like, people would just bring this up a ton. Uh, I don't know why, really, Um, but that's how impactful it kind of was. Then we have the 1915 silent uh, movie, The Birth of a Nation. Uh, Problematic movie uh, these Mm -hmm. days. Um, You still have critics who consider it one of the best films of all time because of all the techniques that were sort of invented in this movie. Yeah. But the, the, you know, the fact remains, the Ku Klux Klan are the heroes of this film. Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, it was really well contextualized in Black Klansman. Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever see Black Klansman? It's a mustache. Mustache uh, of shame. There's a part where the Klan is having a meeting led by David Duke, and it's like a knighting ceremony or whatever, like a welcoming ceremony. And they play Birth of a Nation, and it shows this raucous Ku Klux Klan meeting where they're just like, when the the KKK comes in to save the day in the movie, they're just like, you know, fist pumping. They're like, yeah, this is great. Mm. And I'm like, man, when you show that in that context... You, you just can't get I don't care how innovative it is. Yeah. You just can't get past it to watch it, I, I think. Yeah. And uh, it originally was called The Klansman. That was what this oh, really? movie was originally called. Um, yeah, it's it, it it's tough. Like even with like they, they, they there is a joke in that uh, the uh, Buster Keaton, the general, where because because the South is the hero in that, too. Mm-hmm. But there's a point where he where he's uh turned down for the uh, confederate army and he says well if you guys end up losing this war don't blame me mm. blah 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 so that's a little joke that they throw in there but still the south like you're like you're sitting there like you're forced to root for the south yeah. in this in that movie and it's really hard sometimes this one though i i'm sure i think there have been a lot of explanations over the years from dw griffith and all that about why he made it the way he did but Ultimately, you just have a racist group as the heroes in a movie. I'd be interested in hearing what what justifications. I, I mean, obviously, this was so long ago, over a hundred years ago. D- do you know of any like justifications he had for it? Did he continue I'm, to make? I'm looking for some movies right now. like that. In 1915, was it controversial? Uh, yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, the NAACP, founded in 1909, protested at premieres of the film in numerous cities. Uh, by the time of the movie's March 3rd, 1915 premiere in New York City, its subject matter had embroiled the film in charges of racism, protests, and calls for censorship. Wow. 
This is way back then. Good job, culture. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah right? <laughs> uh, you also have uh, white people in blackface in this yep. movie, too. Um, this is uh, both Griffith and Dixon in letters to the press dismissed African-American protests against the birth of a nation, saying that the reason black men disliked the film was because they wanted to have sex with white women. In a letter to the New York Globe, Griffith wrote that his film was an influence against the intermarriage of blacks and whites. <sighs> Dixon likewise called the NAACP the Negro Intermarriage Society and said it was against the birth of a nation for one reason only, because it opposes the marriage of blacks to whites. Griffith, indignant at the film's negative critical reception, wrote letters to newspapers and published a pamphlet in which he accused his critics of censoring unpopular opinions. Jesus. Griffith's 1916 pamphlet, The Rise and Fall of a Free Speech in America, used racialized language and images such as a cartoon that depicted censorship as a monstrous black man with a lascivious expression on his face eyeing free speech who appeared as a white woman dressed in a white dress. God damn. So he doubled down on that He shit. pretty much Tripled did. down. Yeah. It's like Gavin McGinnis. There's obviously probably more to this. There's probably other books you can read about sure. it. There's probably movies that are based on this. It's a problematic film because it's it's got influence in other ways and techniques and stuff like that mm -hmm. however its content is so ridiculous it's, it's almost like you could make you could make if you made a movie today that had any of this stuff in it and it, you came up with all these innovative things nobody would like your movie no no, no. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's like, oh wow, you know that was a super racist movie, but man, that camera angle he came up yeah, with. Yeah, I love how, like, apparently, at, like for a couple hundred years in the early part of this country, people were just publishing pamphlets because, like, in Hamilton, there's that whole Reynolds pamphlet. Yeah, and this guy got angry, so he decided to publish a pamphlet. Yeah, <laughs> like pamphlets were blogs a hundred yeah. years yeah, before yeah, the they internet, were. right? Well, a lot of the language that you just read. You can read that shit on Twitter. Yeah. You know? Oh, I mean, yeah. honestly, this is stuff that's the, not... The racism hasn't gone away. Right. I just think culture tolerates it less, mm. and hopefully it's it's dwindled. But yeah, there's certainly plenty of that shit on yeah. It does make you wonder if, the, if there had been a Twitter back in 1915, though, uh, how much backlash he would have gotten had he had published something like that. Like, you can publish a pamphlet and not really worry about the backlash, because you're not going to get like many letters or anything like that even right. if you did it's not like immediate instant you know whatever but it's kind of interesting yeah, yeah you're right pamphlets were, just... were they were the twitter feeds and, <laughs> and blogs. what does that even mean did he like pay people to hand them out like how do you distribute a pamphlet do you go up to the top of a bell tower and just throw them <laughs> <Yeah>. off like <laughs> do what, the, he do wrote letters he said he wrote letters to the newspapers <laughs> and published a pamphlet so yeah. the pamphlet didn't get distributed with the newspapers i just want to know how that works they did that thing in you know 10 things i hate about you where they throw it down the stairwell yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? i mean technically ben affleck's character in the town published a pamphlet looking for his lost mom yeah, but, that's true you yeah. know mm -hmm. probably only three people saw it yeah, I guess so. I, I wonder what that means. Yeah. But he published a pamphlet. It would be interesting to know what the distribution of pamphlets were back right? then. Right? Like, I mean, that's like today the, saying he was so angry he started a website. <laughs> did, oh, okay. Did they, go, <laughs> did they go into bookstores or something like that? Yeah. You know, like like you have your normal books here, but up in the front, here's some pamphlets. Here's some, some racist here's some pamphlets, too, by the way. <laughs> you know? <laughs> They've got. This is the racist section. This is the non-racist section. I, I, I think it... I. It's weird to me. I, I, I still see top hundred lists that put this movie in the top hundred. And uh, at some point you got to let go, guys. I know nope. that crit I know that like classic movies have this 
this uh impenetrable sheen to them for some reason like citizen kane mm-hmm. and all these that always are number one uh but at some point you just gotta say we're we're leaving this shit behind mm-hmm. i agree and this is one of them uh on to something way 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 different uh daryl d-a-r-y-l <laughs> which has the kid from never ending story in it it does i saw this movie i don't remember it at all <laughs> i watched this a bunch when i was a kid i did too. and it's gone <laughs> it's funny i did too and i had to kind of read up to to remind myself of it and once i did it immediately came back to me it was like small wonder it was uh oh he's daryl he's daryl which is like an acronym for for i got it he's right. like yeah. a robot and is data analyzing robot youth life form and isn't it isn't it see now i i never watched this when i was a kid <laughs> surprisingly this movie never like hit hit my radar really like i remember seeing like oh life they made a youth robot well they had <laughs> they can't just be Daryl <laughs> or Daryl right exactly like, like we really are we are really dedicated to this Daryl title we need to have something they started with the acronym and everything else followed um but uh I, I this was not on my radar as a kid I did not watch this a bunch of times it came on two weeks ago out of nowhere oh, and wow. I started watching some of it so he's uh with a family like mm-hmm. th- like his um his real parents quote unquote are, are the, i guess the guy who made him or whatever yeah i mean he was made in the laboratory and that guy there's actually like stuff about the turing test in this about like ai even back in 1985 mm-hmm. um of course turing was before yeah, that yeah, yeah. but you know what i mean uh and then he lets him go he's like well you know you need to live in a normal human life and he goes to south carolina somehow of course mm-hmm. and uh, he ends up with michael mckeon and and uh hurt mary, uh, beth, mary hurt. beth hurt and uh what was that adoption process like well he just showed up and and they were like well i guess we should just take care of why him. Do yeah. people always do this in movies yeah. it's like a kid i'm gonna parent it i'm yeah. not gonna call anyone or i'm like not gonna harry, harry and the henderson uh, check, check his pockets for uh, phone number or- yeah i mean them shits are like raccoons let's just stick them in let's get put them in the we'll tame we'll tame it <laughs> but he's like awesome at everything like they try to they they uh start playing baseball and like he's amazing at baseball and they start playing pole position is a oh. plot point in this mm-hmm. uh they start playing pole position and he's like making superhuman like anticipations for the 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 driving which because he is superhuman mm-hmm. and at the end of it he dies awesome. oh yeah he fucking dies mm-hmm. wow and but, like it doesn't come back well he does come back never mind but he <laughs> fucking dies yeah. he iron giants back yeah he does well uh, because he's spoiler it's like uh, it's like in solo where the the l7 or <laughs> L7, oh they put him L3, into a computer whatever it is. Yeah. yeah they they re-heated. that was a funny thing by the way as an aside when i was looking over you guys script for solo was there's a point where it said l7 did this and i was like you mean the band with all the women in it <laughs> you made my shit list they were on they were in the movie i That's don't right. remember that naked eye that was a good yeah track. yeah uh but uh but yeah is daryl good no i don't think so no. i mean it's like short short circuit probably where if i watched it again it would be awful, but I just watched a did, bunch of Did AI good. sort of steal some s- stuff from this movie? Maybe. There's a lot uh, in common with it. Yeah. I mean, there's no uh, gigolo robot. Right, right, one. right. I don't think. AI does the opposite of just grabbing random kids. Like, she <laughs> dropped one off in the fucking forest. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're making our life complicated. I'm going to put you in the woods. Right. <laughs> and there'll be a weird cameo from Meryl Streep in the middle of the woods. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> and then we have Doc Hollywood. That's oh. South Carolina's yeah, fuck. Yeah, South Carolina's fuck. This is Michael J. Fox, who is a doctor who wants to become a plastic surgeon. And yeah. on his way to California, or or he's he's on his way to California, but how does he end up in South Carolina? He breaks down. He breaks down. Or but, he hits something. But on your, you can't really be on your way to California and go to South Carolina, can you? I That's don't know true. why he was going through He South started Carolina. in Maine. It's on the it, <laughs> South Carolina's on the coast. Yeah, maybe he started <laughs> it's not on the, the way to anything unless you're in the Atlanta Atlantic Ocean. Okay, anyway, doesn't matter. He's on his way to California. May, is it just filmed there, or is it really South Carolina? It's set in South Carolina. Fuck me. I know. Yeah. I don't know how it's he ends not. up because I think he goes from like New York or DC or something. Yeah, you you would not take this route to go to California. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, yeah, his car breaks down, and and if you're familiar with the movie Cars, which later did this exact same thing. Mm-hmm. His car breaks down in this podunk small town, and they don't know when it when the car will ever get fixed. But he's got a deadline. He's got like a few days before his big interview with the plastic surgeon. Well, and he doesn't he try to earn money to get the car fixed by doing doctor shit in the town, like by. He, I don't know if he needs to earn money, but I, I think he while he's, he's there. Oh, he sentenced. So he sentenced That's to community right. service. He did something afoul of the law, which is also cars. Well, also cars. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. But yeah, he's totally like cars. He's sentenced to community service as yes. a doctor in that community. So he he becomes the doctor of this community, and he starts you know sort of learn like meeting these people who who make up the town and everything. He's very driven to be this plastic surgeon, mainly because I think of the m amount of money that you can make. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think he really necessarily wants to do it. It's just more about the money and everything. And um, and so he starts meeting on these people, and he ends up uh, running into a naked Julie Warner in a in a sure does in a river of some sort, a lake, uh, <laughs> some it, body of water. I don't I don't remember what kind of body of water it was because I was just watching Julie Warner. It's the most naked you'll ever see a PG thirteen character. Incredibly, and it comes out of fucking nowhere. Yeah. Like you're watching this movie, it's a delightful movie. Michael mm. J. Fox is is fantastic, uh, and then like all of a sudden titties yeah how the like, fuck did they get away with a pg-13 rating like and not only like a flash it it's fucking, a she full on slowly comes right it's, and like it's not it's not like titanic where kate winslet's just lying there and it's right. like okay that's a tasteful whatever this is like like uh an absolutely like sexy scene yeah you know where she's coming out of the water and then she comes up to him and like not even embarrassed, you know. Yeah, she's talking to him. By the way, never understood this this uh this reasoning. I I don't have anything you haven't seen before. Like that's the reason <laughs> why you're not embarrassed. I've never understood that rule. That, well, maybe it's a doctor thing. Never understood. No, I've never understood that at all. Like uh, maybe okay, maybe it is a doctor thing, but still, yeah. <laughs> I. It, I, I'm, I, if i ran into a you know ran into somebody who's like seen ten thousand penises that doesn't mean that i'm gonna be like yeah well you've seen them before you know <laughs> yeah well it'd be like you're at a party you find out the person you're talking to is a gynecologist so you just whip that shit out <laughs> exactly oh, well, you've seen plenty of these so i'm gonna do away with this pesky dress right. ne never <laughs> understood that shit well it's like the nicole kidman thing in eyes wide shut where mm -hmm. she's like when you're playing with the little titties yeah 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 do you feel like is nicole kidman bill cosby <laughs> <laughs> nicole cosby <laughs> <laughs> um, oh boy. 
but anyway yes as these movies are wont to do he gets to he starts loving everybody in the town starts loving being in the town and he doesn't he has second thoughts about wanting to be a plastic surgeon he still goes to the interview yep but he has second thoughts now of course they make that interview one of the most ridiculous it's funny <laughs> but it's one of the most ridiculous places he could ever go to an interview like this one of those like the, when you walk in there's like people dancing and shit i don't know it's like it, it, it's, it's one of those it's like a nightclub almost that he walks into or whatever i can't i haven't seen it in forever but it, it, it's, it, it, everything's ridiculous and george hamilton is the main like yep. guy and um and then he just ends up saying, you know what? I, I really, you know, miss the, that all that, that small town. I can really do good, do good there and everything. Doc Hollywood's a decent movie. Dude, Michael J. Fox, like from 1984 to 1995-ish or something like yeah. that, or maybe even more with Spin City. Like he, he's just so magnetic. And even, mm -hmm. even now, obviously with the Parkinson's, his, his abilities are diminished, but like he's just, he's so, charismatic like mm -hmm. you just want to watch him he did like a really nice multi-episode arc in scrubs yeah i remember that, that was fantastic after his diagnosis that was fantastic yeah so yeah i'm i'll i'm pretty much behind anything didn't he play in. ocd in that yeah 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 um but yeah michael j fox i i do wonder i do wonder what his career would have been like had he not been sort of what would be the best word not sidetracked but i guess well, i mean it's it's a disability yeah it's a, if he hadn't been disease. disabled by right. parkinson's you know because he did fight through it there for a while as you know uh b being on these guest appearances and everything i haven't seen him in a while now he did like a like a back to the future thing with uh i remember that. lloyd on some award show a yeah. couple of years ago that's the last time i've seen it speaking of disability i just when i was glancing trying to find out about the video status i saw that apparently brian cranston is having to defend himself for playing a guy with a disability in this oh, upcoming really? movie as somebody who is disabled i think we're maybe going too far with this like race that's something we should probably be sensitive to mm -hmm. like but, aloha probably shouldn't have had emma stone in it <laughs> but um this is not that but it's getting to the point where acting is not acting anymore right, right. like you like if we're if we're saying the line is you have to be what this, you're representing you're what you're representing then you're not acting anymore exactly and also that means where where is the line like uh you can't play a wealthy businessman now because right. because you're not a wealthy businessman exactly i think that it's a slippery ass slope and we've we've gone beyond where it's a, a reasonable thing as a culture to check people on if we're checking brian cranston on playing a guy in a wheelchair yeah we've gone too far yeah there's, there's a lot of worse stuff that's been done did you see that in golden globes thing where they made that joke about aloha no sandra O oh made a joke about crazy rich agent asians i think it was that movie being the first female starring role since ghost in the shell and aloha <laughs> for, for an asian yeah, actress for an asian. and then emma stone in the audience yelled i'm sorry and everyone loved yeah, it yeah oh god bless her god bless her um on to full metal jacket yeah okay so training takes place on something i guess yeah it would have to be the training there's a lot of military there's a there's a base i think it's paris island or something like that mm -hmm. there's a, a marine base down there in fact a buddy that is a marine trained down there he said it was hot as hell but um that's why a lot of these things we're going to get into a couple of different like military things but yeah all the the boot camp stuff in full metal jacket was there it's all the the stuff that people like about full metal jacket yes. is the is the south carolina part uh 
I, I am interested in, I would love to hear Stanley Kubrick's thoughts on why he made this movie the way he did, because he, because as a, as a genius as he is, you have to know, he had to know that he was blowing his wad basically by midway through the movie. Yes. I, I've been thinking about this movie a lot for whatever reason, and it's such a weird movie for him to make even just with that first half mm -hmm. like yes he's got the the tracking camera shots when they're walking and you know uh, parading soldiering and stuff like that but like you could tell me this was made by somebody else mm -hmm. and i'd probably be like okay it would you make, can't tell me the shining was made by somebody else it's, mm. it almost like that's the movie he wants to make is that first half and like he would have loved to have like almost and Kubrick had the power, so it's not like I feel like the studios came in and said, "You got to have some Vietnam War." Oh no, he wanted to he wanted to remake Pass of Glory. He wanted to make a different uh, war movie mm -hmm. than he had already done, and mm -hmm. so he wanted all that shit. Okay, the, he loved that stuff at the end. Mm -hmm. From what I've seen in like no, the, and, the and, and I've said before, I like it too. It's right. just that the it's a downhill from mm -hmm. there. It's yeah. a downhill that it's really it's really like I mean, you really have just emotionally exhausted the audience halfway through and then when it gets to vietnam vietnam doesn't even feel like a thing really no after that and and again i don't think there's anything necessarily special there are a few fantastic kubrickian shots mm -hmm. that that look fantastic but otherwise i mean you got the miso horny thing you got yeah. the 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 joker helmet and all that stuff like the killer stuff like it's just not remarkable to me but obviously that first half is so fucking amazing it's it's basically a character piece by arlie ermy and vincent d'onofrio mm -hmm. like matthew modine is you know a, a side character essentially at that point mm -hmm. so i don't know i can watch that first half over and over again but it still doesn't feel like this is up there in like the upper echelon of kubrick movies may have mentioned this on the syncast before but uh, arlie ermy getting that role was a it was an interesting story in of itself <laughs> Because the guy who's on the helicopter with them, who's blowing away a bunch of innocent civilians and is like, hey, war hell and blow. You should write a story about me sometime. <laughs> and he's like, why? Because I'm so fucking good. <laughs> that was supposed to be the drill sergeant. Oh, and wow. uh and so like he was he had that role imagine this you're a you're an actor he's an you, actor he's not the actual right, drill sergeant right right yeah. he's an actor and he and he gets this role in a stanley kubrick movie and then you're told you're the drill sergeant this is the meatiest part of the entire movie and then early army's over here he's he's giving like all these like uh tips and tricks about how to be a soldier and everything and he starts like surreptitiously basically doing his audition videos during all these different things that he's doing with the actors uh -huh. and like the the tape just kind of gets into stanley kubrick's hands <laughs> and then and then it's like oh this guy's really good as this drill sergeant and then they had to give this poor guy the news <laughs> somebody else is gonna be in this role we'll give you the thing where he's you're on the helicopter it's though. like it's it's like uh kirsten dunst in spider-man 2 where she's like actually rehearsing the song when they tell her oh we fired you or she shows up oh, yeah. and the other girl's <laughs> rehearsing the song oh we fired you that was that could have been handled better I, <laughs> you know what's a controversial opinion is that uh god it's so close stripes came out in 1981 mm -hmm. six years before this mm -hmm. and it, it they're structured basically the same mm -hmm. like it's all like the the boot camp and stuff like that for the first half and then it's a forgettable second half 
I could watch both of those first halves for Full Metal Jacket and Stripes and enjoy them probably equally. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's that's a weird thing. I, don't, I think that's okay. That's an acceptable opinion. Yeah, it's the same thing. Ivan Reitman. Ivan Reitman. Uh, on to G.I. Joe Retaliation. Oh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> is this the one with Bruce Willis? I think this has Bruce Willis coming out of the thing. Yeah, coming out of the trunk. Oh, what a shit movie. <laughs> there, there was a time where Jeremy and I tried to do a fake movie review show where Bruce Willis like so every movie had that scene in it so like it's like you will you will not believe the bruce willis scene or whatever and it, it's always him coming out of the trunk um uh i don't remember did i see this movie i don't think i saw this movie uh, well, i saw the first gi joe i like the i'm on record as liking the first gi joe because it's got channing tate and joseph gordon this is the one that has the rock in it right this has yeah. got the rock it's got chatham channing chatham tannick chatham schmatham yes uh he's in there for like a hot minute but he's gone like all the parts i find endearing about the first one is just like yeah, thrown out Stocker the window. Stocker Chaining Tatum. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's not good. Uh, don't see it. No. Now, uh, then we have a really good movie, Glory. Ooh. This is now, this movie. is South Carolina's fuck because the, yeah, the whole is... contingent is down there, and they storm the Charleston Beach yes, at the end. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Glory is a great movie. Uh, this is i believe the first r-rated movie i ever saw in theaters mm. i was 12 but uh i think it was one of those ty- it's one of those type of r-rated movies where and this is american culture <laughs> where it's just r-rated for the violence really mm-hmm. um and i don't think there was very many like there's not swears there's no nudity there's nothing there's like, no sudden titties i know that <laughs> no no there's not i think there's there's some language issues especially between denzel and uh yeah and, uh, and this Morgan was my Freeman. my probably my first introduction into denzel washington too and uh, he has a scene that you cannot watch without probably crying when he gets whipped um because just the the look on his face he doesn't scream but his face says everything mm-hmm. and um and it's uh it's just um it's a devastating thing um so matthew broderick is in this he's the part that always throws yeah. me yeah i know because i think he was I had yet to take him seriously as an actor because mm-hmm. he was Ferris Bueller. Yeah, this and, was only like three years away from Ferris Bueller. Yeah, and so he really stands out to he's me. Not, he's not very good either. Well, that's that's what I remember. <laughs> he's supposed I to have a Boston I saw this like 10 years ago is the most recent time I saw this, and I loved it. But I remember thinking he he stood out as a problem. He <clears> does. <throat> I It's it's interesting to say that. The, the white guys stand out like a sore thumb. Carrie Elways yeah. is fine, but like not really like yeah. andre brower is so great morgan freeman's so great yep. uh denzel washington that anybody that's not up to their level really it's it's like a keanu versus al pacino thing like, yeah you, you notice the difference you know but uh yeah it tells the story of uh it was it the only black regiment in the entire union army or was it one it was of many one. it was the first one yeah okay um but yeah it's one of those like i i know at 12 i was like i was like really i didn't know that i didn't know that that was i didn't even know that was possible mm-hmm. back then um but uh well and isn't that final beach storming isn't that like basically a suicide mission yes that they're sending them on yes yeah. it is so it's almost racist in and of itself like how we used that regiment right oh totally i mean it's it I, it may have been the impetus for that yeah. south park thing. Yeah. well yeah i mean the uh 
I mean, that's the thing that it gets lost in all this. We're, it, yes, the South was a bunch of racist assholes, but the Union found ways to be racist assholes that, you know, oh, yeah, well, we'll let slaves be free and everything. But there's a lot of other just fucked up shit going on. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that you sort of, you know, forget about all of that is like, yeah, they may have been progressive about one thing, but not a lot of things. As an aside, I read the other day about a, a play opening off Broadway it's actually in a cafe, so it may be like super off-Broadway, like mm. where Costanza's La Cocina plays, <laughs> uh, but it's called uh, The Haunting of Lin-Manuel Miranda, and it's basically trying to take to task uh, the stage play Hamilton for what it perceives to be historical inaccuracies, because apparently, now I've seen the show twice, I didn't fucking memorize it, mm. uh, but this guy claims that the Hamilton show says Hamilton was an abolitionist when in reality he was a slave trader. Hmm. I don't remember the show Hamilton making slavery a big point. Uh, no, it doesn't. Well, and that, and that in and of itself is why there's some controversy about that show. Right, right. Because they, they do gloss that over. But I don't remember anything about slaves in that in that show at all. Right. And so if if he's painted as an abolitionist, it's done so in a subtle way. Like, I, like there's no song where he's like slavery is bad right like so but anyway i just think it's fascinating that even hamilton like has a detractor enough that he wrote a whole goddamn play about it and he's going to put it on and off off broadway there you go i will be heard yes it's not throwing away his shot (laughs) um then we have hacksaw ridge uh directed by mel gibson man we're going through a lot of like south carolina uh, is problematic problematic stuff today but this is about the conscientious subjector who doesn't kill one man in the in the uh i guess the titular battle there uh he he he's he's in the army but he all he does is like he's a medic it's andrew garfield Mm -hmm. yeah and he saves a lot of people he does Uh, Um, this should have been a short film have you guys seen it yeah i've seen parts of it the the section where he's saving all the people Mm -hmm. is riveting Mm -hmm. and a lot of a lot of the the war fighting footage is shot spectacularly yeah. because for all his murky problematic ways mel gibson knows what to do with the camera yep. uh but man the first hour of this movie is boring as shit yeah and which i think is the south carolina portion right it is yeah. it's him sort of explaining oh, i'm not gonna do this and i'm not gonna his dad is like a, a minor villain because he, he wants his kid to have a gun i don't mm. I, plus it looks funky like the way he the filter he put on the camera makes everything look a little hallmarky it's a little weird and it's the big uh you know the love story between he and Teresa palmer um that that's setting that all up and everything and it's like okay you know it's like trying to be a biopic for an hour and then a war film for an hour yeah and really if it had just chosen one or the other it would have worked better Hmm. Uh, i didn't i didn't enjoy my experience with it you didn't like it not really uh how was vince vaughn i i saw vince vaughn was really good he's great he's great I want Vince Vaughn to keep flexing these these chops. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that Cell Block movie? No, but no, I really want to. Have you seen it? No. Um, yeah, apparently that's really good. And I heard him on the Maltons podcast, and he was talking about his more dramatic stuff. And yeah, and very interesting. And that that uh, much maligned uh, uh, season two of True Detective, I thought he was good. It's just that it, it was just a complete misfire from beginning to end. And Boy, the trailers for this third season are starting to get me excited. Yeah, I'm going to be watching it i'm gonna be watching it but uh but i thought he was good in that even though he had they put some character quirks in there that were weird and all that but 
I mean, all, all in all, it's like, damn, he's he's pretty good in this, even though this season is just a garbage fire. Um, so, I mean, we all knew after Domestic Disturbance he had dramatic chops. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, anybody who who watched that movie and didn't think he would be the greatest living actor of our generation. Uh, then we go on to The Marine. Uh, I never saw this. <laughs> oh, is this John Cena? Yes. Oh, I never saw this either. Oh, because it's, Well, and it's John Cena, but it's John Cena like 12 years ago. Yeah, it's not this like is pre-comedic John Cena. Yeah, this is right off of WWE. In fact, I think he was still like wrestling at this time. He was still wrestling three years ago was he really yeah he yeah. still wrestles well he still does somewhat yeah. regularly there was a there was a big deal about uh the wwe going to saudi arabia after the khashoggi killing and all that uh and he was one of the people who who said I'm not, to go, yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna go and everything so he's still a part of all of also it. i think we've mentioned this before but he's the single biggest wish fulfiller in all of make a wish foundation's history like he's fulfilled more wishes uh for that organization than like the next 10 people in line combined. Wow. Good dude. Like whatever my opinion of it, of his acting is, I, I have already filed this guy and good guy, just like uh, Keanu Reeves. Yeah. I've read too much good shit that, that he's done, but man, this movie, I've never seen it, but it looks terrible. <laughs> well, it's got a 4.6 on the IMDb. I'll tell so. you what else it's got is a cult ass following. Oh, Does no. it? People, oh yeah. People love. Well, this they movie. made a couple sequels. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't With think another wrestler. Yeah, exactly. I think there's another wrestler in <laughs> yeah. the second one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, this is this is pure. It's exactly what you think it is. Uh, and it's I didn't enjoy it at all. But like reading about this is like people love this. There's shit. fucking six of these. Oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't know that. OK, I got a new I got a new marathon. I got to do like the species. Uh, the Marine 2 has uh, Ted Biasi Jr. And then the next four have mike the miz mizzenin oh he's, he's from a the real wrestler. world he was from the real world yeah. he wanted to be a wrestler on that show yeah. made up the name the miz yes and then after the real world he made that dream happen yes he became Jesus. a wrestler i think he's a big moron uh, he's got his own reality show i don't know if you've ever seen no i've just seen him on the challenge he's recaps. got a reality show much like the <laughs> bella twins or whatever he's a big doofus yeah. oh, but he made that dream happen the, there's <laughs> no doubt what who these movies are aimed for uh the marine three home front the marine four moving target the marine five battleground the Ma marine six close quarters the marine seven make america great again yeah exactly they come they come out with one like almost every year that's crazy that what is, else is the Miz sorry by do? the way for anyone that thinks i was lumping wrestling fans in with trump supporters there i was not i'm sorry right, i was right, just right. making yeah, a yeah. joke about that it. first marine has kelly carlson from uh nip tuck and oh, oh yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, she's she's a fine filly yeah i mean this is it's <laughs> 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 inspected <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> Someplace deep down. Somewhere I've been wanting to use that. It's like, man, I need to find a place where I can say that. And it was like back in 2005. And it finally, <laughs> finally, 14 years what later. weight off that must be. Yeah, it is, man. I feel like 10 pounds lighter. Um. <laughs> then we have, as Barrett uh, refers to it, the fucking notebook. Oh yeah. Oh Jesus. Do we even really need to spend that much time on? This? No, we don't. It's uh. Is this still? Is this still the go-to romantic uh, 
uh, movie for... Uh, I think so. I mean, it was a phenomenon. The, for the Nicholas Sparks crowd, maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah, for a majority of women, I think. <laughs> Honestly, I mean... Yeah. I, yeah, yeah just, they, they will, he will never get a cast like this, though, like Rachel McAdams and Ryan Gosling, who weren't huge at the time when it came out, but... I don't think he'll. I don't think there'll ever be a movie that has two as bright future stars. Yeah, uh, that's sort of probably the carrying power to this is that those two became huge after that. Mm-hmm. What's funny is that between those two, that's a lot of sex appeal. Like that's a yeah. lot of sexy. This movie's not sexy though. No, it really is. <laughs> it's very chaste. Yeah. It's very you know, like you said, Nicholas Sparksy, like Hallmarky, like you know romantic in quotes i mean so romantic that mm. fucking james gardner like crawls up with gina rollins at the end and fucking dies with her yep yeah, yeah. i'll spoil the notebook yeah mm. i don't give a shit <laughs> it's been 15 years fucking yeah, assholes um, i hate that movie yeah we don't need to spend too much time on it james um, garner then we have another mel gibson the patriot oh uh, now this one i do love yeah. you like this one this is roland emmerich right yes yeah that's this is the best roland emmerich film Mm. by f- is it's it better than independence day yes i haven't i haven't seen the patriots since 2000 so um it's yeah it's <sighs> close it's it's good it's also sneaky long because you watch it and it feels like a normal movie but it's like 240 yeah we said this and it was it went on and it on and on long but i i think all the performances are fine uh i'm a big american history nerd especially revolutionary history uh it is south carolina stated repeatedly mm-hmm. over and over again um and yeah i, I just find it really fucking watchable I, I don't know if it's good so this was heath ledger after 10 things i hate about you right because yep. this was 2000 yep. but pre-dark night obviously and pre um four feathers yeah it's pre <laughs> four feathers and all that stuff yeah uh um, it's, it's pre night's tale it's uh well he the reason that i bring this up is that he was really showing off that he wasn't just the the heartthrob in 10 things i hate about you like he mm-hmm. he's got a meaty role in this and i think he's he's really good he is really good um you know mel's really good mm-hmm. he's mel yeah um but we also have jason isaacs in this as the villain yeah <laughs> And he's over the top. God damn, by, he's villainous. By the way, <laughs> by the way, uh, I am so. I, I watched Death of Stalin. By the way, um, I'm so glad that Jason Isaacs gets to play a different kind of role in that movie yeah. than any other movie I've ever seen him in because yeah. he's always the villain. And in this, he comes in. He's he's not he's not the villain or anything. He's I mean he's not a villain really. But he's so funny in that fucking movie. Did you like the movie? Yeah, I did. I love the part when the cars are pulling out and Barrio runs over to salute. And so they all get out and run over. And then Barry only did that so his car could go first. And then yeah. Shimmy's like, what are we fucking last now? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That would be so awesome. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, he's funny. But uh, yeah, I, I haven't seen this since 2000. And this is another one of those movies you, you'll, you'll notice that, you know, had a, a long, illustrious projectionist career. So there's movies that I think of disasters more than I think of the actual movie themselves. And the Patriot is one of them. This wasn't a big disaster, but it was like, uh, we had something on a, it was a sneak preview, 400 people in this auditorium. Mm. And like the lens was, had something blurry on it or something Mm. like it was making the whole thing. You couldn't focus it. Mm. So the lens was messed up and I would sit there and I was trying to clean it and everything. But like whatever was in that lens was down underneath Hmm. like it was you had you would actually have to like 
either wait it out or you would have to like actually pull the lens apart to clean it because it it was on the other side somehow like something may have leaked in or whatever Mm. but it was one of those you know 400 fucking people (laughs) and it was like you know it it was like blurry and all that and it's like you know we don't know what the issue is there's gonna that blur is gonna be on there for the rest of the movie sorry i think it did go away like about real five or something like that but um but yeah that's the thing that i remember the yeah. about the most. i remember russell going to the front of the theater and saying uh there's something wrong with the movie uh sorry uh sorry about all that and everything but uh everybody can uh can sit down it's going to start here in a minute you can all enjoy your free movie and- <laughs> 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 uh so uh so you like the patriot huh i do I do. I, I, like I, said, I, haven't, I haven't seen it since 2000. So it, I have seen it probably 20 times. Mm. Like it's not Office Christmas Party. Jeremy keeps watching it. <laughs> it there's there's something there. Um, I just I don't know. There's a couple of really great shots. There's oh, yeah. one section where Mel has finally decided to go off and join the war after being resistant the whole time. And he catches up to his son and they're just in this abandoned house looking out a window and there's a full scale battle going yeah. on. And that shot is fucking oh, fantastic. Yeah. And it uh, just gets my. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Plus, Donald Donald Logue is in this. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of great people in this that oh, you yeah. forget. Um, um, Chris Cooper's in this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of good people. Yeah. yeah. Anyway uh then we have radio cuba gooding jr ed harris never saw it it's hard i never saw this either this is not a movie that i would watch over and over again but it's about it's a it's based on a true story about Mm this uh mentally disabled uh kid in high school that befriends a coach uh who's played by ed harris and uh you know it's exactly what you think it is um does he he doesn't play football does he no, he he uh, just does like stats or no, something. No, he gets into the game and scores the winning touchdown. Yeah. Oh my god! No, I think he like helps him out with the equipment and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's he's an equipment guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Cuba Gooding is is perfectly fine. Ed Harris is Ed Harris. He's fine. Uh, but I actually own this movie somehow. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, but it's not it's not great. Uh, on the uh, the last one on the Barrett Seen It list, we have Slither. Which is uh, the James Gunn movie that came out in 2006. Do you like this movie? Who's in it? Nathan Fillion and uh, uh, Elizabeth Banks. Never saw it. Uh, I saw this. This is, God, this is right up your fucking alley. It really is. Oh, my God. This is, yeah, this is, uh, this is your movie all all the way. All right. Um, it's, it's a, it's a tremor style mm-hmm. type of movie where it's like these little slithering snake eel type things are, are going around. There's the, the classic shot of the the chick in the bathtub and mm-hmm. the little the slithering thing comes towards her legs as it you know Ooh. um <laughs> yeah <laughs> say no more <laughs> sounds um, like a porno i saw recently yeah this is uh this is his directorial debut um i'm trying to remember is jenna fisher in this because i know he was married to jenna fisher at oh, one point no i don't think so well maybe jenna fisher from the office yeah yeah she was yeah she's yes. in this too um but uh it's it's a it's a it's one of those perfectly good b movies that's got a lot of fun in it and well james james gunn i think wrote it too yeah he, he wrote it and it's got especially with nathan fillion and elizabeth banks like nice dialogue like mm. it's irreverent and and mm. that kind of thing and it's yeah it's actually kind of fun i do love me some nathan fillion yeah yeah he's good yeah it's a it's a fun movie i highly recommend it michael rooker is in it too yeah 
Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. Uh, oh, interesting. Uh, then on the other list here, we have Bastard Out of Carolina. I've never seen this. <laughs> That's an actual movie? Yeah. yeah it was, Came on uh, Showtime, huh? Yeah, and it was directed by Angelica Houston oh. and uh, won at least one Emmy and was nominated for a bunch of them. Uh, it's got a really good cast. Jennifer Jason Leigh, Jenna Maloney, Ron Eldard, Glenn Headley. Is it Headley? I think it's Headley. Yeah. Um, Michael Rooker. <laughs> yeah, of course. Oh, like... Abe Vigoda. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Christina Ricci. Oh, oh. all right. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's I haven't seen it. So. All right. Uh, then we have The Beach House. I don't, I've never seen this. Ooh. Yeah, but you've seen this. This sounds like a slasher movie. Have I? No, it's uh, it's like a Nicholas Sparksy type of thing. Girls but Drink it's, Wine. It's directed by uh, Roger Spottiswood. <laughs> oh, yeah. He did a he did a Bond movie, didn't he? I think he did. Um, I've seen his laughing about his name, right? Yes. Yeah, he did. To- he did. Tomorrow never dies. Um, and it, and it stars uh, Minka Kelly and yeah. Ch- Chad Michael Murray. I do like me some Minka Kelly. I do too. Yeah. Um, but no, never saw this. Uh, then we have um, Beautiful Creatures. Um, oh, have you not seen this? That, did they have uh, it's, uh, Emmy Rossum and uh, it has everybody in this. I remember seeing the trailer for this and I was like, "Yep, not going to see that." It has Alden Ehrenreich, uh, Jeremy's Iron. It's yep. got Emmy Rossum, Viola Davis, Emma Thompson, Margot Martindale, like Pruitt Taylor Vince, Michael Rooker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not really in it, is no. he? God, that would be but, awesome. I mean, this <laughs> seems like something that you would have seen, Jerry. Like it looked. Look at the poster. I mean, it yeah, looks it does like look like one of those ensembles that gravitates the woods. Th- this is in the middle of that. Uh, just like every uh, every little fantasy YA novel was being made, and and this trailer came out, and I was like, Jesus, this just like how uh the mortal engines trailer came out it's the same sort of deal you watch it and you just you just get tired yeah you get like (laughs) physically tired watching the trailer you're like i know this i'm not going to watch this this is this is such a waste of time um but uh no i haven't seen it then conrack i've seen conrack have you seriously yeah is it lean on me with uh, john voigt uh kind of yeah i now I saw this forever ago, but uh, I used to have a, um, was it a history teacher? I think it was a history teacher in high school who was, who really loved showing Conrack. And uh, I don't know why. I mean, you know, he's old, Um, but, uh, but he loved showing Conrack and, uh, and we saw this, saw this movie. Yeah. It's kind of, he hitched his wagon to Conrack. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. John Voight. Yeah. It's kind of a, it's kind of a lean on me back in the 1970s. Yeah. Um, I don't remember much about it though. Uh, I just saw it in high school. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the great Santini. Uh, this is a movie that I've never seen, but I do remember the video cover because I used to walk past this a bunch at blockbuster and it's like robert duvall with his arms held up or something like he's got that. like a like a travis bickle haircut type yeah. of thing like a like a mohawk yeah uh i've never seen it either but apparently it's 
it's not because it's also based on a true story uh or based on a novel um yeah pat conroy novel it's it's a lot of like conrack <laughs> yeah it seems like the type of movie that chris cooper would be watching in american view yeah 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 exactly <laughs> that's right and it, it may be much much more than that but. yeah yeah <laughs> uh then we have magic mike xxl i've only seen the first magic mike i never saw the sequel <coughs> Me i either. like the first magic why mike. does the sequel go to south carolina they're going to myrtle beach for a stripping contest well, which means y- you were saying like you went to play golf at myrtle beach you were going to the stripper convention weren't mm-hmm. you? there's a stripper convention mm-hmm. that's where my magic mike is going but if it's dude strippers 15 year old me would not have been interested in that now 43 year old me it's all about it <laughs> yeah but 15 year old me dick, 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 dick. that's right <laughs> That's a lot of dicks. Um, no, uh, I remember at the end of Magic Mike, they were they, where they were. They're trying to go to Orlando, I think. Is yeah, I think so. There's some big city that they were trying to get to and and achieve their stripping dreams, right? Because they're in Tampa, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's it's like Orlando or Miami or something. But then I guess in this one, they're like, oh, stripper competition, got to go to South Carolina. Yeah, exactly. I think they get the band back together. The first one was directed by Soderbergh. Soderberg. Yes, it was. Uh, this one's Gregory Jacobs, so I never saw it. Yep. Uh, the Secret Life of Bees. I never saw this. Um, it's exactly like The Secret Life of Pets, yeah. only with bees. <laughs> right, right, right. So it's like Bee Movie. <laughs> um, Secret Life of Bees was uh, Dakota Fanning. Uh, oh, I may have actually seen this. Yeah, I mean, this was right in your uh, New York wheelhouse? Yeah, I was in New York at the time. I may have seen this and not remembered any of it. Queen Latifah and uh, uh, Jennifer Hudson. Lily Owens, a 14-year-old girl who is haunted by the memory of her late mother to escape her lonely life and troubled relationship with her father, T-Ray. Lily flees with Rosaline, her caregiver and friend, to a South Carolina town that holds the secret to her mother's past. I think I did see this, but I don't remember a damn thing about it um then we have shag i remember trailers for shag yeah and uh, if this was 1989 this will be on movies going on 30 oh yeah uh, that's right <laughs> uh, shag this um, had everybody too it had phoebe cates bridget fonda annabeth gish like everybody in the late 80s that was anybody mm-hmm. was gonna be and then what one. is the movie about obviously shagging but like what is the well premise isn't it a dance or something yeah it's a, it's a south carolina ish dance style shag dancing oh i don't know sex. what it involves yeah it's, I, I think there's probably some sex in there too better yeah be. this is set in myrtle beach and it's like uh women going crazy women going well, wild there's, there's stripper convert- <laughs> competitions down there There are um and then we have uh, this, the first sisterhood of the traveling pants <laughs> i did see <clears throat> if i saw the sequel then i definitely saw this one uh, <laughs> okay. i saw the sequel to ride along and didn't see the first one yeah so <laughs> um anyway uh sister head of the traveling pants uh it's it's good for what it is i guess yeah yeah i would i would probably watch it if you put it on right now yeah for sure all right recommends and warns totes amazeballs it won the academy award oh for what for best movie ever made um we got some good ones for you got some good ones yeah yeah um I, i feel like i keep forgetting something that i want to mention because i've seen like about 30 movies in the last uh three weeks probably Jesus. Yikes. wow i've seen a lot are you cramming for the year in review or is it just, you uh, just yeah happen to cramming be- for the year in review doing this 1989 podcast 
uh finding stuff on netflix mm-hmm. so i've seen bird box i've seen uh bandersnatch and i've seen that uh, after after uh jonathan uh you know talked about haunting of hill house i watched that whole thing uh then there's like i, I there was a point where i had like four or five straight trips to movie theaters um and just trying to fit everything in you know trying to get all those movies tis the season uh so um uh my recommend this week will be escape room wow okay so out of all that stuff that you would you say that this was your favorite experience because obviously it's not the best movie that you've seen Uh, no and you were you know you were talking about this during the patreon plug uh experiences Mm -hmm. and and things of that nature i don't know what it was about this particular experience it was me it was barrett it was jonathan our buddy dave and we all saw this it at the at the theater near barrett and uh now i don't think i i don't have i didn't have any expectations for escape room Mm. in fact even though this is a recommend i can't call it a wreck of warn either (laughs) yeah um because there's enough good in this that i think it's worth seeking this movie out um as barrett says if it had been eight percent smarter yeah this would be just a classic Hmm. um i there are some things about it that I, i i don't like but something about this experience especially afterwards we're at the sushi place and i'm drinking sake (laughs) chris slammed a bottle of sake that experience was the best part of the night like the escape room was fun but like it was a great chaser at the end to throw in like a bottle of sake um escape room is uh i I didn't know that the they were actual escape rooms before this movie started advertising oh yeah yeah Yeah, it was a there was somebody who brought it up two or three weeks ago and said oh yeah i've done some escape rooms around nashville and i was like oh really i didn't even know the things existed um but uh i i like it when there are puzzles and the and the people have to figure it out this does more puzzle solving than all of ready player one <laughs> that's true <laughs> and, yeah from the get-go too right and i wish there were had been maybe more and more clear uh thought processes because yeah. a lot of times it's like oh i'll just do this and it just happened to be the right thing and there's a point where the main girl who's in it uh walks off from the rest of the the team or whatever and just like sort of instinctively knows to reach into a polar bear mouth oh yeah yeah all this other stuff anyway that it's neither here nor there each one of these little rooms that they're put in is just i don't know they 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 get you in a mood on each one of them yeah and they stay there for for a while yeah they, there's only one room where they're just like in and out yeah uh but then like the the first room they're in when everybody's getting to know each other and then they realize oh the fucking thing has started that's fun the one where they're in the ice world is fun mm-hmm. the one where they're in the billiard room is fun oh yeah um i don't like any of the ending i don't think I like a little bit of the ending. Uh, like, uh, yeah, there's a really good like stinger type yeah. thing at the end. But, um, yes, I it it would be it would be wrong to call it a wreck of Warren because a wreck of Warren is a movie that you know is bad and that you're still recommending, right? Uh, or you should fi- you be able to find something good in it or whatever so this one i'm recommending i think you would like this one too yeah it, i saw jonathan tweeting about it and i've seen some other people talking about it and it to the point where it has probably 
that's kind of what has to happen for a horror movie for me because it's not really my bag. But mm -hmm. I, once enough people that I trust say, oh, this is exceptional horror, like with Get Out or Quiet Place, well, I'll eventually watch it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the only reason I ever watched uh, It Follows mm -hmm. uh, or Happy Death Day. And I've been, I enjoyed both of those. This is much more in the Happy Death Day type of feeling. Not, and, it's not a slasher, obviously, but it's it's got that kind of thing. Yeah. But it's just, oh, Have you ever seen Cube? Yeah, and mm -hmm. I was about to say, this movie's leaps and bounds above cube yes and i love cube yeah but if you if i watched it again today i'd be like yeah that movie's dumb yeah cube is a <laughs> cube the problem with cube is that it never really puts you in a world it's it's yeah. all cube the entire yeah. time uh each room in this is a new different highly realized section set piece mm -hmm. um Debran Wall is all sorts of cute in this movie. She is. Um, uh, she looks the exact same now that she did when 10, she first started True Blood. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, that that girl Taylor Russell's a cutie. Oh yeah, everybody's uh, also really good. There's there's one character that becomes a caricature at yeah. some point, but like otherwise, everybody's really good. Jay Ellis from Insecure is in it. There, it's it's a fun movie. Mm -hmm. I I. I it reminds me of the how the first saw was where i was like this is a good start to maybe something big and and then saw got progressively more ridiculous as it went along there were some there's some hits and misses mm. along the way but um but i feel like with a an even more realized uh you know I guess an even more realized world and everything the sequel could be better than this and like they could they could if as long as they keep it where people are thinking and they're trying to solve puzzles and yeah. stuff like that, I'll be happy that's with what, it. That's what elevates these things to not just schlock, is put like a little bit of thought into world building, like you said, like actually like letting you sit in this world to where you, you feel actual stakes. Yeah. It's it's fun. It's yeah. a fun movie. All right. So very recommend good. that shit. Very good. All right. We doing recommends first? Then sure. We'll go around. All right. So I, don't, I haven't seen much new, mm -hmm. um, and I've already talked about death of stalin for three straight podcasts now mm -hmm. so uh i'm gonna i'm gonna have to reach back for an older movie that i have seen recently uh and my recommend is gonna be um the rainmaker <clears throat> okay which is actually you did this not grisham right you did not remember this but the official name of this movie is john grisham's the rainmaker mm -hmm. oh really yeah. <laughs> that's the title of the movie and francis ford coppola directed this. francis oh, yeah, ford coppola right. directed this and i think for most people they watched it thought it was pretty good and moved on with life and that's probably i'm not here to tell you the movie's a masterpiece mm -hmm. but i think most of you have forgotten it not youtube but you know listeners mm. and it's worth another look everyone is really solid in this damon is not doing anything flashy acting wise. matt damon is the, the matt main damon is the main character uh rudy and he's a brand new lawyer and it came out four months before goodwill hunting yeah. that's the thing like uh, he was not a big star when this came out mm. and then goodwill hunting later like that same year came out and then he became a big deal yeah it makes you wonder how the rainmaker would have done had it come out a few months after. yeah if they'd have, if they'd have known what was going to happen yeah uh danny devito is great in this uh he doesn't even have a law like he's not even able to practice law even though he does like he, he's failed the bar exam like five times mm -hmm. <laughs> they work out of an office for uh mickey rourke's mobster his, i think his name is bruiser he's basically a mobster <laughs> and danny devito does like you know legal shit for the mob guy yeah, and yeah. together they tackle this case against this insurance company 
Uh, Claire Danes is in this. You might have forgotten. Oh. She's a jewelry store worker that yeah. he falls in love with. Her boyfriend is abusive and beats her, and Matt Damon has to save I think her. To Damon and her. Danes were both uh, dating at the time too. Oh, really? Yeah, motherfucker. I know. That is a that's a lot of sexy right there. Yeah, it is. Uh, and then you have um, I'm too old for this shit. Danny Glover is the, <laughs> is the judge. Yeah, and, and he's great. He's great because he kind of cheats. To help Matt Damon along, he knows Matt Damon has no experience, and mm-hmm. he know- and so there are moments where he's like, "Would you like to object to that?" Like, <laughs> yeah. like, John Void is playing the other attorney, and Void is great in this, perfect for this role. It's a it's an insurance company who had on paper a policy that you were to deny all claims initially, uh, but they had two separate uh, guidebooks, employee guidebooks, so that when they were presenting to the court they've just presented the fake one and virginia matson is the person that used to work at the company oh, and knows yeah. about this and ends up being the witness that ties it all together uh anyway i i had forgotten how good it was mm-hmm. i don't think it's great but i do think it's really really solid and we've just kind of forgotten it. Is, and, uh, is virginia madsen the one who gets the promotions and and like uh to to, to keep quiet yes okay yeah there's a, a scene I keep thinking of. What's the part where John Voight says something like, oh, it gives no sat- sat- satisfaction to me either or whatever. Oh, Jesus. And it's a funny part because he's he's a villainous lawyer, but I feel like he's just doing his job. Like, it's not it's not like he's a dick dick. He's just, you know. Yes. It's like uh, he knows he's evil. Mm hmm. But he still values money more. Mm-hmm. But there's even a little bit of respect by the end for yeah. Matt Damon's character. Like, oh, you got me on this one, but I'm still the devil. Like, he, <laughs> he knows. Anyway, he's he's fantastic. He may ultimately be the best thing in the movie. I think DeVito comes close to stealing it. Too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there's some fun tricks where they realize that the evil guys have tapped their phones. So they make some fake phone calls to throw the oh, evil yeah, guys yeah. off the course and some good legal courtroom stuff. Uh, I just give it a solid recommend. Yeah. Where does this rank on the, the Grisham movie adaptation scale? It'd be pretty high up there, be- if only because most of them have started to fade away from me. It, like, I really like The Firm. The um, Firm has got to be number it's, one, it's up I there think, for me. If it's not number one. Um, and then, you know, you just, they're all kind of middling after that, yeah. right? The Client is in there somewhere. Pelican Runaway Jury's in there somewhere. Time Pelican Brief. Yeah, they're all in there somewhere. But mm-hmm. I would put this one probably right up. Right it's up probably, there with yeah. or under the firm. Probably number two or three. For yeah. Me. Yeah. Well, nice. Anyway. Uh, I'm okay, I'm cheating a little bit because I can't fully recommend either of these, uh, but the one that I would recommend more, Recca Warren, is First Reformed. Okay. Ooh. Uh, so this has gotten a lot of like awards buzz and stuff like that, particularly for Ethan Hawke, uh, but it's directed by Paul Schrader. Um, and oh, he was great on Letterman. Yes, he was. It's <laughs> a Paul Schaefer joke. <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. Well, I... It's funny because Ethan Hawke was on the t- the Stephen Colbert show last night. Oh, <laughs> so like my wires just kind of yeah. all screwed you up. There. Like Letterman's not even on anymore. What? Yeah. Uh, okay, so this is okay. This is a character study. Um, it's a slow film. It's a deliberate film, and it means to be. Ethan Hawke is fantastic. He's a uh, a Protestant preacher um, in a small town right across the street from a mega church um that uh, that does everything and they're kind of like a subsidiary of it. and he runs the the small church and everything and he is called upon to talk to amanda seifert comes in in his congregation and she asks him to talk to 
uh, her husband who's having because she's trying to figure out which one of the three guys her mom slept with back in the 60s is <laughs> that, her dad. Right. Uh, this is I, I'm interested to know your thoughts about this. I can't wait. It really, it's, it's actually at the top of my stack of shame. Uh, okay, so the interesting part about this it it doesn't have a narrative structure as much as it has a contemplative structure, which normally is like right in my wheelhouse. I love mm-hmm. that shit. But like the ending is is kind of explosive I, I guess you could say um but i didn't like it i didn't like the ending mm. at all and i think i knew what it was trying to do uh but but it just it just whizzed past me and i was like i, I just can't grasp onto it then i read paul schrader has been uh talking a lot about this movie mm-hmm. and saying specifically that they it was uh it was influenced by certain movies and that they're almost carbon. This is almost a carbon copy of several movies, you know, in the past, like art house movies, things like that. And I think that's what bothered me about this movie. There's a lot of style. Like he wanted to match that style. He wanted to do this thing called transcendental filming, uh, which he wrote. The, he literally wrote the book on like when he was 24. And it's it, it's too much style for me. There is substance in this. But I think it's almost like Ethan Hawke was doing his own thing and having a fully developed character. But then Schrader was doing his thing, which was purely aesthetic, and they just happened to coincide. Hmm. And what has Schrader done besides this? Oh, he did. Ta- he wrote Taxi Driver. Um, yeah, mostly oh, known uh, for a ri- as a writer, but he did uh, like Cat People, and uh, so he's not like I thought he was like an up and comer. I didn't realize he. Oh been no, he's for forever. No, he's been around forever. Yeah, yeah. he's he's probably in his seventies. Interesting. Right now. Okay. Uh, he's- uh, but it's an interesting interesting movie. You can ruminate on the religious subtext here and i have and how ethan Hawke's character deals with it how his interactions with amanda seyfried become more integral as the movie goes on um and how it ends but i don't think that was schrader's intention Mm -hmm. i think that's just something that you can read into the film because he he puts it up there but reading the background of it it looked like he wanted to wow you with the way that he directs mm. and i'm not i'm not with that there there's a yeah schrader's got a, a his directorial career is um it's a bunch of stuff you haven't heard of sprinkled in with a whole bunch of stuff that you may have heard of like mm. uh once you go under first reformed stuff like the canyons which is that Lindsay lohan shows her mm-hmm. boobs movie um <laughs> that was that was far too casual that's the subtitle yes (laughs) um i probably should have ended it with that one but um he did the dominion prequel to the exorcist autofocus uh affliction um he did a few that are like vaguely familiar then there's like cat people american gigolo hardcore which is that george c scott link thing oh my god it's my daughter yeah and uh blue collar which was his first movie but uh he was still i think he's still mostly known as a writer because he did taxi driver and i think he wrote raging bull Mm -hmm. um so uh that's that's what he's mainly known for so anyway i i would encourage you to watch this um i think it missed me and it may have missed me because i'm 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 being stupid Honestly, like it, I may just not be connecting with the themes because I can't wrap my head some around movies. It. Some movies do require you to watch it 
digest and then watch it again yep. later on down the road. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and that's why a lot of times, you know, I feel like I'm in an awkward position with the recommends and warns because you, we still don't have a fully formed opinion of what that, that these movies are. Yeah. Because my warn is similar to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, my warn is the mule. Oh, yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, uh, a trailer that, that wrapped me up. I wanted to see it ever since I first saw the trailer. Uh, the thing about the mule that I found a little strange throughout was I never quite understood why he decided he was going to do this aside from the money. Yes. But like there, the, the way he gets into this. So he's, uh, at the very beginning, you see that he's, he runs this very successful, like flower farm or something like that. And, uh, and he goes to some convention, some flower convention. Uh, as you do. Yes. <laughs> and and it's and it's somewhat like early 2000s. He he talks to somebody who's going to be using the internet, this newfangled thing called the internet. <laughs> Damn it. How out of touch is he at this point? <laughs> yeah. This is 2002 or whatever. I can see an older gentleman like his character not knowing what no not knowing what's coming with the internet yeah so, i guess uh it's still he said he he's like oh wow they're gonna deliver flowers through the internet now huh that's weird and so his business goes under because he never go gets with the times uh he's a he's he's one of these terrible father types who's always been at the flower farm he didn't he didn't see his daughter. He spent too much time at the flower farm. <laughs> I, I, I swear to God, there's a scene that's basically like that in there. Because he the the whole the whole thing is so Allison Eastwood, his actual real daughter, plays his daughter in this, and he's missed everything, every big moment in her life, and then the big like uh, changing moment is he's not there when she gets married. Mm. he's not at the wedding ceremony he's at some flower convention Mm. when that of course so uh it's many many years later when his farm uh, goes under her daughter has given birth uh and uh and it's got a granddaughter who's now grown up and is going to get married um and uh actually i think the daughter was all like there was already a daughter Mm. like it couldn't have been that long so it was like six or seven year old daughter, but now she's 18 or whatever. Played by Thaisa Formiga, who is Vera Formiga's younger sister by like 20 years. She, she's been in American what? Horror Story. That's right. Yes. Yeah. She looks like a Farmiga. Yes. Yeah. She looks yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, exactly like her. Just a younger Vera Formiga. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's getting married. And after his farm goes down, he goes to the wedding and his daughter's not having any of it. Like you can't show up here and and just all of a sudden want to be in our lives and all that. So at this wedding, some, one of the friends of Taisa Formiga comes up to him and says, "Oh, you might be looking for work. I don't know." And gives him a card. Oh, nice. And and it's like, and and I'm like, okay, well, he doesn't even ask if it's like illegal or doesn't seem to be the type that's ready to just start breaking laws the Mm -hmm. guy's been running a flower farm yeah for all this time but he does the first job and i don't think he quite knows what it is at first but then when the money is showing up he's like okay i kind of get what this is so i can kind of get why he keeps doing it because the money keeps getting bigger and bigger and Mm. it's at some point that 
he does it he does it so well he becomes the number one mule in this drug cartel or whatever and so there's a side story where bradley cooper is off trying to find this main guy or whatever he's trying to find a you know he's trying to find a messenger to bin laden type guy to get to this this top drug kingpin and uh so like cooper is off somewhere you know like it's way across the country or something and then like ends up they end up hearing about this one guy who's like making all these successful runs and everything so he ends up eastwood is on his radar he doesn't know he's looking for eastwood <laughs> he just knows he's looking for a guy in this truck <laughs> and or in a, in a style of truck that is like the one eastwood eastwood starts off driving this like really old like 60s thing but as his money gets better and better yeah, yeah. he's got this big awesome like you know huh. but um i i never could get i never could pinpoint other than pure money which it, this movie this movie plays like a video game for a bit because he's like first he wants to get money just so that he can live somewhere i think and then he he gets that money and i think he's decided he's going to he's not going to do it anymore but then the guy tells him, oh it'll be even more for you on the next run or whatever uh and he sees something else he's like he's like oh okay well i can get a better truck with the next money he gets the better truck then he goes to like some vietnam veteran affairs building or something huh. and and they're like uh oh man this could use some renovations and then it's like oh okay oh, i'm gonna keep going out <laughs> for like all these different uh reasons because there's all this stuff that i can like spend money on and whatever <laughs> uh it's not bad i don't want to go f i i guess i when i say warn it's not as nearly as good as i thought it was going to be mm. um and it's not and i don't i i, I just never understood his motivations uh, i really didn't I, I, yes money is a big motivator but the, a character like this just none of it makes any sense and everything and uh yes there is some points where he like so it starts off with him just kind of uh like everybody's just kind of cool with him and then for whatever andy garcia is in this movie <laughs> for 30 seconds uh pretty much <laughs> andy garcia is the kingpin guy oh wow and garcia um garcia is like pretty cool with everything because eastwood is doing a damn good job he's just he's delivering it he's going to the but like so, for whatever reason they're, they're concerned about him for some reason because he doesn't he doesn't go from point a to point b mm. all the time and they they want to know what's up with that and everything and I'm like sitting there. That was another big contentious point for me. He's delivering the fucking stuff without any problem. And nobody suspects him because he's an 85 year old white dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you need from him other than these guys who are like, like, Oh, I want to make sure that he's delivering all this shit as a, I guess it would be mini spoiler to explain why there's a change in this philosophy. But like, I don't want to, I don't really want to go that far into it, but just, just know there's a change in philosophy that they're like, oh, now we're going to watch him like a hawk, mm. even though he's been delivering all this stuff perfectly for the entire movie. That's the biggest conflict of the movie. And it just, I was just like, I don't get it. Yeah. Like if you're a, if you're a drug cartel, that's just getting hundred percent perfect results every time. What do you fucking care? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, so, uh, so that was the thing that, that was the thing about that movie. That I was like, ah. Hey, is Bradley Cooper an asshole? Like in real life? I don't know. Have you heard these, these stories? Like he's, he's threatened reporters like in, in interviews and stuff like that. If they ask him anything about his personal life and stuff like that. Um, I have read a few things. Mm -hmm. Here's what I can tell you that making this movie this year with Gaga 
has turned him into a pretentious, insufferable. I can't listen to him talk. Really? Have you seen him interviewed post this movie? No. But he I can sounds like he thinks he's fucking Spielberg. Really? The way he talks about the craft and the art and uh, the whatnot. I'm like, dude, you made one movie. Yeah. You made Come on, one man. movie. Yeah. Sort of the, the the thing that we've been seeing a little bit with Jonah Hill, too. That's yes. 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 I was like, just talking to my wife about this very thing, about how Keanu Reeves... Every piece of news I hear about him is positive. Right. He's giving up his seat on the subway. He's <laughs> donating tens of millions of dollars to the crew of the Matrix. He's secretly been funding children's hospitals for years. <laughs> yeah. This is all true. I'm not making this <laughs> yeah. up. And I was like, that one. guy is a good guy. There's no question. Yeah. But then this year we lost a couple. And I'm telling my wife this. She doesn't know. But I'm like, you know, Jonah Hill yeah. and Bradley Cooper both did directorial debuts this year. And both on the other side of it have started sounding really pretentious yeah, in interviews. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, like Jonah Hill talks like he's a, a filmmaker. Well, and <laughs> and meanwhile, like just a couple of years ago, I heard Paul Thomas Anderson on uh, Mark Maron's podcast. And I was expecting this sort of like, you know, accomplished director talking about, you know, being real pretentious about his work. And he was the least pretentious person hmm. I have Those ever. are the people that you want to watch their movies. Yeah. Uh, even though yeah even though you can argue some of his movies are very pretentious but like uh you know Marin's like sitting there like you, you know you know how do you do this this thing this you know is uh <laughs> this is a uh, this is unbelievable work that you do <laughs> and, like Mo, movies. and then uh, and paul thomas anderson's like yeah i don't know I just, you know, just make, make the movie hope it works out you know oh, God. that type of like thing. I, I legit saw an interview with bradley cooper where he's like before i made this movie i didn't know how to sing mm. and then he goes through this whole thing about what the vocal coach taught him about breathing and using his diaphragm as though like he's the first fucking person <laughs> to ever learn this technique to singing yes it's the craft man yeah i mean i don't know there's, there's been something that's bugged me about him i mean yeah he, he started his career being like the smarmy guy like the fucking wedding crashers yeah, guy sat. dude he was an alias he was like a nobody on yeah, alias yeah, essentially. Yeah. but yeah it seems like as he's gotten bigger and bigger it seems like He's become more of an asshole. And maybe that's the perils of fame. Maybe, like, he's really, like, into his shit now, and, like, he doesn't want people diving into his personal life, but uh, something off. Something off about that guy. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, hmm. obviously, we're speculating. We've not met the guy, and he may be the nicest guy in the world. That's true. Unlike... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Any warns? I got a wreck of warn. This is another back-in-the-day movie I think we've all forgotten about that I watched two days ago. Uh, in Good Company. I um, own this yeah. movie, too. You forgot about Is it, this, though, didn't uh, you? Topher and uh, Topher Dennis Grace, Quaid? Dennis Quaid, uh, Scarlett Johansson. Yep. It's, uh, one of, it's a trailer I used to watch. I've seen the movie, but it's a trailer I used to watch all the time because almost every trailer is amazing with salisbury hill on it oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and this is one of them you know it's just one of those it's like oh man that movie looks amazing because salisbury hill's playing yeah and it's not like this is a wreck of war they're it's cheesy as fuck mm -hmm. almost almost everything about this production feels like a b-team production mm -hmm. the it, it looks like the cameras were 10% cheaper than a normal movie's cameras. It looks like, do you know what I mean? It it's kind of like the like, Valentine's Day style almost look, right? A, yeah, almost yeah, yeah. like a TV movie. Right. There's no there's no directorial camera flare here whatsoever. <laughs> set it on a desk and just leave. <laughs> and the story is, like, this story was outdated before the movie came out mm -hmm. because it's about selling ad space in a print magazine. And the movie's trying to address 
that that's a struggling thing. We're losing advertisers to digital and other areas, but already, I mean, you're a magazine, dude. You should have been online years ago. <laughs> yeah. So Dennis Quaid is this executive. Topher Grace, big conglomerate, buys the magazine, rolls it into their portfolio, and Topher Grace is the young managerial type that they send over to run the magazine. Uh, this is what Dennis Quaid's job should have been. He's put in the time. He's too old to go get hired somewhere else. They start firing people left and right. David Pamer loses his job. David Pamer's, oh, poor David David Pamer's always fun. <laughs> no. But yes, put upon uh, David Pamer. Uh, you've got uh, Agent Coulson is yeah. Clark uh, Greg. Topher's boss uh -huh. who shows up every now and then. And his boss is Teddy Kay. That's Malcolm McDowell. Yeah. He shows oh, up at the end. Yeah. But they talk about Teddy Kay like he's the Jesus of all business. There's nothing in this movie that's going to surprise you. But here's why I'm going to recommend this movie. Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Oh, that's 2004, 2003? She, there's a scene here where the, they go on a date. It's kind of accidental the way they end up together. And they end up back at her dorm room. And he's just standing there looking at the door. You can kind of tell on his face. He's like, I had a dorm room five years ago. <laughs> and she like puts on a piece of music and drapes a scarf over the lamp. And the music plays. And she starts taking off her sweater or whatever. If you don't fall in love with her watching this movie. <laughs> yeah, this was this was that era that I, I prefer on Scarlett Johansson. I know it's <laughs> sorry. He doesn't I don't think he means it that way. I know. I know. <laughs> like uh, the, there, she, there was there's a point where she she was she was like girl next door type for yes. a long time. Yes. And then she became glamour girl after that. Now, don't have any problem with the glamour girl. I just prefer the. The sweet Scarlett Johansson that I saw in that, that early 2000s. Like Ghost World type of Yeah, Scarlett. Ghost World yeah, yeah. and all that. Or even all the way up to the one we used to have a poster of, Lost in Translation. Yeah, Lost in Translation. And this falls in between those in that era where there's like she ha she's not a megastar. And I almost feel like the actress herself doesn't yet realize how fucking gorgeous she is. Mm -hmm. So she's able to play this role more innocently, like. Because that character doesn't know how gorgeous she is either. Anyway, I was I was flipping channels the other in good company. Is that the one with Topher? And I ended up watching the whole thing. Yeah, nice. charming. I fell in love with her all over again. It's a record worn. This, it's got plenty of problems. This did come out in two thousand four, so it came out okay. a year after a translation. Did, okay, so, so right or, in the or did it come out the same year? No, I, it was it was the year after two thousand three. Two thousand three was lost in translation. Yeah, two thousand four was in good company. Anyway. Anyway. There was a funny thing, though, when we watched Escape Room and there was a trailer for The Intruder just before that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't... Sometimes trailers just... The way they've presented their their argument for you to watch this movie, it's some of the... It comes off the funniest shit ever. So, first <laughs> off, I don't... I, it, it's like Unlawful Entry, almost, this movie. <laughs> Very much. Like, Dennis Quaid's playing the Ray Liotta. Yeah. <laughs> Dennis Quaid in the Intruder trailer is this guy who's selling his house, I guess, against his will or something like that. Mm -hmm. Selling it to this uh, this couple that's moving in, Megan Good and Michael Ely. And uh, and then so like the next day uh, after they've sold after they've moved in the house and everything like that. Megan Good sees Dennis Quaid out on a tractor out in the backyard cutting the grass. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so, like, the whole thing is, like, he just doesn't want to leave his house. And he starts getting violent over it and all that. That's the way these movies go. But there's a scene in there because, it, you know, it builds like he's, oh, he's just kind of an old man. He doesn't want to live. He doesn't want to leave his house. Oh, that poor, poor guy, blah, blah, blah. And then it starts getting progressively worse as the trailer mm -hmm. goes on. Then there's a scene where... It's out in the it's out in the yard. 
Megan Good's looking looking around, and there's like this light that's flashing, like you know, going around like this, like it's it, it exposing just part of the yard as oh, it goes around. Okay, and it comes around, and Dennis Quaid is like just standing <laughs> at a tree, just looking at, just like props like a jump scare. <laughs> I just started laughing. I just started laughing when I saw that because it's just like bong. <laughs> oh shit! Oh god, sounds like a terrible movie too. Uh, yeah, I've got a warn. Yeah. that's that's a bit of a wreck of warn. Okay, you mentioned this movie a couple weeks ago, Bird Box. Yeah, uh, it's funny. I saw that on Twitter somebody came up with a joke like Bird Box and Bandersnatch are <laughs> nicknames from my vagina. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, works. Uh, but yeah, so Bird Box. It was this phenomenon that I'd, they didn't even like release marketing for this like before? Yeah, did they? No, I, I had it, no idea what this was. It, or the, the, I knew about it because Sandra Bullock was on Colbert or something like mm. that and mentioned it, or it was it was her Sarah. Paul, it was it's definitely Sandra Bullock on Stephen Colbert, and I think I'd heard I'd seen a trailer somewhere, but I didn't know it was a Netflix thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I saw the Sandra Bullock thing and I was like, oh, okay, this must be some movie that's coming out and it'll be limited release or something like that. And then I go to Netflix and there it is. It's A-listers. I mean, Sandra Bullock is, and, and really Sarah Paulson at this point is, mm-hmm. is risen, risen up. It's got John Malkovich in it. Like it's got a lot of people in this movie, yeah. but like, like you were saying for in good company, this feels like a B movie all the way through the, the dialogue is clunky as shit, especially like setting this up. So Sandra Bullock is pregnant and her and sarah paulson are sisters and they have like the most clunky expositional dialogue i've ever seen when they're at the gynecologist's office by the way the gynecologist is a whole different problem for this movie yeah yeah uh they're at the gynecologist's office and they start like bantering back and forth and like all of a sudden it's like well our mother never raised us correctly did she well dad was out on the flower farm or whatever the fuck it was (laughs) but he was a cowboy setting up you guys know what the horses are and mom was dead and shit like that right i'm like what how did this like just talk about your baby dude yeah uh (laughs) it's like in king game of thrones whenever they walk up to somebody and they're like brother and then they start talking. Like, like, he <laughs> yeah, knows exactly. you're his brother. Exactly. Uh, so the the dialogue in this fucking movie is just ridiculous, and like the conceit of it is stupid. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're not. Uh, I don't think this is really a spoiler. Everybody, this is the uh, the the pretense of the movie is if you see if you look uh, at these entities, then you will become suicidal. It's it's the happening. Yeah. It is literally, literally the happening. made up of like six different movies that I was just listing off. I was like, oh, that's the happening. Oh, that's a quiet place. Oh, that's that. Oh, that's that. Oh, that's, oh, that's, that's that radiohead video. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, there's there's a million times like that's literally lifted from that. The 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 montage of the people dying at the beginning is totally the fucking happening. Yeah. And uh, so they get kind of sequestered into a, a, a house altogether and all the characters start coming out and stuff like that. It's not bad. Uh, that part of it. John Malkovich is in there chewing up some scenery, but like he's way over the top. I think he's miscast. Yeah. It's just I from was... there, like it just is stupid. Having said that, I will probably rewatch this movie. Wow. Uh, because there's, it's just kinetic enough to like keep your interest. Sandra Bullock is fantastic in it. Yeah. Eh. It's 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 the Rekawarniest Rekawarn I've had. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 
there yeah there are there are a lot of things about this movie like yeah i i didn't i never really understood they never explain and i guess it's because maybe they're hoping to franchise this at some point but uh never really explain like why sandra bullock doesn't get affected when she's looking in the same place sarah paulson is at the beginning of the movie she she's going after the cell phone so she she isn't looking out she's front. not looking out but that's the that's the whole thing that starts, i still, she actually comes I still back think to she would have seen something though like right before like, then she there's was no looking. way there's no way that she knew not to look during the entire time that she got to the to the house you know what i mean right yeah and even the woman that comes out to to rescue her right there's no way that they know this yet and then there's no real explanation of the ones who were like who sort of formed the cult that uh that somehow can see but but don't get changed oh that's the worst thing by the way if you're in a mental institution this is what the movie is telling you can look at them and you can look at them and you're not going to want to kill yourself. If if you're inside the th- building or if you're a patient. If you're psychotic. Yes. If you, well, No, I mean. Is that what like, the movie says? Yes. I don't yes. even remember that. If you're psychotic, if you have a mental illness, then it, it's explicated in like two scenes. Okay. Then you're able to, because I to, remember, to survive in this environment without a blindfold on. I remember the. Uh, well, I'll be all right. Then. It was offensive. I remember. <laughs> um, uh tom hollander coming in and talking about those people mm-hmm. but i didn't remember him saying specifically that they had to be psychotic yeah that is here. offensive what's the reason for that i don't know and it's never explained like chris said it's never explained there's a lot of shit that's not explained for a movie that feels like it's like two it and would a half make hours. more sense if you said like colorblind people could look at him and not yeah that themselves. would make a lot more sense yes yeah um yeah this is a dumb fucking movie but I didn't have a bad time watching. But yeah, it's a, I mean a huge cast here. I mean Jackie Weaver shows up. I mean almost wasted because she's I in there for like two scenes. Rosa Salazar, who everybody's going to know from Alita Battle Angel once that comes out, um but was in the Maze Runner movies. She's in it. Um, oh, is that her? Yeah. Yeah, she's the um she's the cute mm-hmm. girl mm-hmm. that's in there. And Machine Gun Kelly's in Oh, this. Machine Gun fucking Kelly's yeah. in this. By the God damn it. I'm going to Yeah, that, that, that's not that much of a spoiler either. Machine Gun Kelly and and some cop woman hook up, then leave, and they're gone. Yeah, they're gone. The rest of the fucking movie. That's huh. it. These were like primary well, characters and, set up, and they had and they had to have died. There's no way. Yes, there's, there's no way they did anything right no. afterwards. No, it's so fucking stupid. Uh, who was the guy? Who was uh, her compadre? Oh, Lil Royal Howry is in this. By the way, yep. it's not him. Uh, but it's it's uh, Trevante Rhodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, BD Wong is in this for a hot minute. Tom Hollander, like you said, actually is, is pretty good. Yeah, in this. I, I love Tom Hollander. Um, yeah. So there's it's just it's just a weird, weird, stupid, dumb movie. All right. Well, <laughs> I I had already read enough takes online, and I had already decided I didn't think I wanted to watch this movie, and uh, I don't think you've. <laughs> made me want to watch it anymore but trevante rhodes by the way was in uh, moonlight and uh, oh. was also in uh the predator that came out earlier in the year but um it's it's good to see the guys from moonlight get i'm finally seeing them in other things so i've seen trevante rhodes in that and then the guy who another guy from moonlight was in the equalizer too oh okay. um oh the drug the drug guy that he saves yeah the miles guy oh, yeah. <laughs> the after school special kid yeah the after school, after school special <laughs> Who kid. paints a surreptitious mural <laughs> yes yes <laughs> 
movie is so fucking stupid. Uh, uh, all right, Christ. that's recommends and warned. Do we have time for anything else? Uh, yeah, let's do a question or so. Question, question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. Okay, we'll do this. Now, the, the, the question is posed to us as specifics, but I think we're kind of going uh, out a little bit because of the, the concept of the question. Which movie had the biggest change in quality, Thor 2 to Ragnarok or Avengers 2 to Infinity War? I think I have the most specific answer to this question, so I'll go, I'll go first on this. Okay. Um, I think, to me, it's Thor the Dark World to Ragnarok, hands down, no question. Um, because, A... I think Infinity War, as I've said before, is losing a lot of luster to me the more I watch it. And I've watched a lot. Mm -hmm. And I've also watched Ragnarok a lot. And just the the differences in tone, the differences in quality, what, you could see what Taika Waititi like, put into this, where it seemed like whoever did the Dark World, it was like a one-off guy, looked like it was just kind of being made in a sleep, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that it's hands down that now age of Ultron is shitty. Mm -hmm. It's just so shitty and it gets shittier every time I watch mm -hmm. it. Whereas the Avengers, the original Avengers gets better every time I watch yeah. it. It's so weird to me that, that those latter two are just kind of muddled logically. Yeah. I think Thor's the right choice. If if we're making the choice between those two suggestions, I went off book. Mm -hmm. um, I did too. Just applied the concept to other franchises and went looking for drastic changes in quality and ended up going the opposite route hmm? of super quality to not quality uh, with X2 to uh, X-Men The Last Stand. Yep. Mm. Now, granted, a lot of this is Brett Ratner. A lot of this is that we went from a more capable director. <laughs> yeah. Everyone yeah, we talk about from, today yeah. is murdered. From one scumbag <laughs> to another scumbag. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, but when Bohemian Rhapsody won Best Drama at Golden Globes, Brian Singer posted a social media congrats to the team or what have you, and Brett Ratner came right up underneath him and said, congrats, bro, you deserve it. And I saw somebody on Twitter, Twitter, Twitter screenshot that and go, you can't make this shit up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Um, but X2 is arguably the best of those first that first trilogy um, before all the, the first class. And well, arguably, yes, mm -hmm. uh, I, I think the first X-Men is great, but I think X2 took it to another level in both character, action, scope. And then it just fell to earth. Like the moon in Avengers Infinity mm -hmm. War, mm -hmm. when Ratner took control and we started injecting all these mutants with demutinizing sauce. Yeah. Right, so is 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 the Last Stand really like unwatchable? Do you think, or is it like close? I see what you mean in the disparity of the quality. I didn't hate Last Stand as much as everybody else did, uh, but it's definitely not nearly up to the level as X2. I. I probably I think the last time I watched it was when we sinned it, mm -hmm. and I don't think I could watch it all the way through. Mm. And I, I watch lots of crap all the way through. I it's not 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 better than you. Yeah, I don't remember <laughs> hating the Last Stand as much as everybody else did either. But it is it is shitty. I've eaten a lot of crap in my life and i want my free sub i would agree that thor ragnarok is out of that very specific question uh the the, the higher you know jump in quality between the two movies um i started trying to think of because it doesn't happen often you almost have to have a series like the like the marvel movies to have mm -hmm. some kind of uh strange quality difference uh higher quality difference i mean you some people might do this with the furious movies mm -hmm. um 
I ended up landing on though Mission Impossible three to Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Ooh. Um, three is not bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also like it's overrated simply because it was better than the second one yeah yeah i mean that's a different quality jump too mm-hmm. two to three true yes, so, but I mean, <laughs> two was shit three was capable right that's the best thing you can say about that movie but it's developed the reputation as the one that started the improvement of the series when really brad bird should get all that credit yes i agree the ghost difference protocol. between gross po- gross gross point protocol <laughs> yeah gross protocol and three are stark even though i love three yeah yeah it, and and yeah you it's no comparison between Dark World and Ragnarok mm. and Avengers 2 and Avengers uh, Infinity War, but uh, it's certainly a, a dramatic leap in quality between the two movies. They're almost not even the same franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 No, I would agree. Yeah. You can almost make an argument that Thor 2, uh, the Dark World to Ragnarok was almost like too much of a change. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because it's weird watching Infinity War again, Thor kind of goes back to being a less comedic and more of a fish-out-of-water character again. Well, and he's, he's not overtly comedic. I think if you sit down and watch any of the standalone trilogies, as they were, I think the Thor is all over the place. If you were mm-hmm. to watch Thor, Thor the Dark World, and then Thor Ragnarok, they don't, they're not going to feel like they're from the same franchise at all. No, they're not. He's accidentally funny in the first one because he's a fish-out-of-water. He's brooding and serious and battley and stuff yeah. like that in the second one. And then he's fucking joking around with the fire demon at the beginning of the third yeah, one. Yeah, he's, he's quippy. Yeah, he's quippy this like is, he's uh, trying to be so intentionally funny. Aaron uh, Aaron on Sif Pop, when they were reviewing this movie, had a comic book uh, guy to help review the movie with him. And he said that one of the most off-putting things about the Thor character is how hilarious he is now, or whatever, quote-unquote, I guess um that it's so different from the character now in the comic book that it's indistinguishable oh. well and and like i said at infinity war he's calling a rocket rabbit but again unintentionally funny he's not making quips he's not really like joking around it's also like he is in ragnarok <sighs> and i love the the thor in ragnarok don't get me wrong like i thought that was a great turn for that character i'm gonna st- I feel like the MCU gets a little lazy when it comes to quip writing, mm-hmm. quippy writing. Yes. I wrote a sin that we didn't leave in for Infinity War where Tony calls Ebony Maw Squidward. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because I have a problem with that. Mm. Because Tony would not get that reference. Tony would not make that reference. When is he fucking watching SpongeBob enough to know the side characters' yeah, names? And this guy looks nothing like that character. <laughs> you just, the writer was like, I'm going to make a pop culture reference here. Yeah, yeah. And so they did. And it's the same thing with him calling Rocket Rabbit. Yeah. If he knows what a rabbit is, he knows what a raccoon is. <laughs> yep. God damn, he should be calling him the name of some Asgardian rodent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Musket or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? But no, you wanted to make a, a, it just feels like that's where they get the laziest is when it comes to, oh, we need a quip here. Let's have a quip here. I agree. Well, like in the middle of uh, fucking, uh, uh, well, the beginning of uh, Avengers 2, Age of Ultron, where it's like he says shit and like language in the middle of this fucking battle. Yeah. And no, no, it's not. Same thing with Doctor Strange and uh, and uh, Tony on the when they're going off to the spaceship to Titan. Well, yeah. and, and, you know, I know that they want to make it where it's lighthearted and they don't want to be, you know, all like serious all the time and everything. It, it takes a lot of the tension out of the battle mm-hmm. when everybody's just joking around and nothing's all that serious. And yeah. Like, well, then why should I care whether you win or yeah. not? Well, again, but, uh, even in Civil War, you got that moment with Scarlet 
Johansson and whoever she's fighting, where they're like, we're really doing this, huh? Or you're pulling your punches. Or like, they they yeah, yeah, quit yeah, in the middle yeah, of the yeah, fight yeah. about yeah. the fact that it's not a real fight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, and yet I'm expected to care. No. Yep. Mm. Not me. Yep. Everybody else? Maybe. God, that fucking pisses me. I've been watching a lot of Marvel lately. Yeah. It so pisses me off that Tony gets so fucking pissed off at Falcon for killing Rhodey, killing Rhodey, incapacitating him, when it was his fault in the first place. He's going after the Quinjet, and then fucking Vision is trying to take fucking Falcon out. Falcon doesn't even do anything to Rhodes besides, like, distract him. And then Vision fucking shoots him down. Falcon didn't have shit to do with that. No. And he fucking <laughs> blows him away because, oh, he's upset. Fuck you, man. Yeah. Fuck you. I'm with it. I'm with you. God. <laughs> I'm with you. Pisses me off. I'm with you. Next on Marvel Rants. <laughs> it's just, it's like the Jackson Pollock joke in the first Guardians of the Galaxy. That always stuck out to me. Yeah. Because that, he was an eight-year-old fucking kid. Mm -hmm. He would not know who Jackson Pollock is, much less his style of painting and how it would resemble semen splatters. <laughs> but James Gunn thought it was funny. Yep. And the audience thought it was funny. And we're apparently the only people in the world that look for consistency in these things. But it was not it was not a great laugh moment for me because I was like, well, Jackson Paul, I, know. I barely get that reference. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I think that's enough. Sorry. I got a little. It's all right. You obviously you obviously uh, fit into something. I, was I have I have fired up. Uh, well, my son has fired up my wife as far as Marvel goes. Like they, when I was off watching Escape Room, actually, they were watching Age of Ultron. Mm -hmm. And then the next night I was doing something else and I came in, they were watching Civil War. Mm -hmm. And then he wanted to watch Infinity War. And then I was like, oh, well, you got to be getting worn out with this. And she's like, no, now I'm like a converted Marvel MCU fan. Mm -hmm. I want to watch all of them. Mm -hmm. And she's never seen any of them. She's mm -hmm. never seen Iron Man. She's never seen. So it's kind of cool. I'm going to reintroduce her to all this stuff. But then I have to, you know, go through the the Avengers movies that I've been talking about and see that maddening inconsistency. Mm -hmm. I want to watch Iron Man again, and I want to watch like Thor Ragnarok again because those are really good. Mm -hmm. All right, well that'll do it for this week. Uh, keep going to Sincast presented by Cinema Sins on Facebook. I have just recently started the Discord. Um, yeah, Discord. getting on Discord. I think Jonathan's on there now. Um, but uh, I'll be checking Discord from time to time. Uh, I will too. I've got an account on there. Yeah, looking at uh, any any uh, questions and comments that come out. I'm. I feel bad about not being there earlier. It's just that the way things are going and so many whirlwind things are going on right now that I didn't even think about Discord for the longest time. And, you know, now I'm going to gonna be on there. Probably be a little bit more on the Patreon comments, too. Um, but uh, so so there's that. Now, is, the way I, way Aaron has set this up, is it Discord slash CinemaSins or is it? It's CinemaSins Cinema, on Discord. CinemaSins on Discord. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, um, so there's that, uh, there's also our cinema since Twitter, there's SoundCloud, there's Reddit. There's a lot of places to come and talk about this very episode, but I'll do it for this week. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit, and be sure to visit cinemasins.com. Oh, you think they, because it was like, it's been a recognized, I'm going to look this up. Hang on. It's been a recognized entity for a long time, though. I'm saying, I'm not talking about facts you can look up on the internet. I'm talking about what was, what was his point? Whoever started it? What was their intent? The intent was to thumb the nose at regular church. Well, sure. 
But I bet it was also like a Rosemary's Baby type of thing where they were actually worshiping Satan. Well, like that, when it first started, I bet it was. That would be different. That would be Satanism. Yes. The organization, the Church of Satan, I believe, is much more modern than you believe it to be. Now it is. No, I mean, I think it started much more recently. The Church of Satan, whatever the official organization is. Right. I don't think they actually ever worshipped Satan. I think, yeah, you're probably right. Uh, I see what you're doing. So this was dedicated to Satanism in the Satanic the Satanic Bible, which was Anton LaVey. That was the guy that uh, Jimmy Page used to like reference all the time and Led really? Zeppelin stuff. Yeah. He was a big satanic guy. That's why, and the song remains the same. Did you ever see that? The movie, he's shown like doing satanic rituals and stuff like that. And at one point, he turns to the camera and he's got like glowing red eyes. And if you're super high, which you should be mm. while watching The Song Remains the Same, it freaks you the fuck out. Mm -hmm. I think Thetans are like the midi-chlorians, right? I don't know, but at least Scientology, the point is to take money from stupid people. <laughs> the Satanists are just doing all this. It's like LARPing religion. <laughs> it's true. It's like uh, John Goodman and Big Lebowski. He's like, say what you say what you want about the tenets of national socialism, dude. At least it's an ethos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like in the middle of him saying something completely different. Yeah, also, God, dude, <laughs> Chinaman is not the preferred <laughs> nomenclature. Asian American, dude. <laughs> uh, do you hear Carly, Carly Ray Jepsen has a song about masturbation? Is it new? Fairly new. Some, I saw a headline the other day that said something about why... Party of One, I think is what it's called. Why so many LGBTQ people love her. Like, I guess she's some kind of like... Did they answer it? I didn't read the article. Oh. But apparently, most of her fan base, or a large portion of her fan base is... Is she gay? Um, I don't know. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, Madonna always had a huge gay following, too, and she wasn't gay. That's true. I feel like she was kind of gay, though. She was a little or gay. She's she was like, she was Britney Spears gay. It's Hollywood. Everybody's gay sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> he named names. Yes. Uh, get him the Elia Kazan version of the podcast. <laughs> he blacklisted from Hop Sinks. <laughs> she named names. <laughs> Fill me up. I'll just go. Yeah. Do it, Mr. M. Fill me up. Fill me up. <laughs>